With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Hartz, and today we have our DFS Daily Fantasy Sports, specifically DraftKings show. As always, we will be going over the main slate. That does not include Thursday, Sunday, or Monday Night Football. Also, not the hellacious Jets and Falcons game. We decided to send to London for that 9 or 9.30 Eastern time kickoff. So, not worrying about the Kyle Pitts saga. Hopefully, my guy Cordero Patterson goes bonkers, but not in the main slate. So they will not be discussed in this edition of the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. But as always, on this lovely Thursday afternoon, I am joined by none other than PFF analyst Andrew Erickson, who is beginning to be called the prop prophet in some random streets of Cincinnati and I'm sure throughout other parts of the world. Andrew, how's it going, Mr. Five and One? What's up, Ian? Yeah, I, you know, the props have been very profitable for me the past couple of weeks. Can't say the <laughs> same thing about. Some of my DFS builds because I've been fading Jalen Hurts in cash games when I should have just been embracing the mobile quarterback that has just this is QB one every single week, no matter what. He just he just does not fail. Doesn't matter the matchup, doesn't matter. I need to go back to Jalen Hurts. But yeah, the props have been fun and I recommend for anyone to go check out prizepicks.com, you know, partnership with PFF and get in on some of that. You know these players. We know the player usage. You look at Dwayne's report, you look at Ian's work, my work. You know that when props are set too high, when they're set too low, so you can get into it. But I'm excited to get into this DFS slate. We don't have a lot of high projected totals, so I think that it does take a little bit more research to kind of find the best plays. And that's what I felt when I was going through it with my DFS cheat sheet this week. I felt really good about a lot of the things I was able to find out. I'm happy to talk about them today. Yeah, two of the only four games with a game total above 50. Okay, so there's actually five games with a game total above 50, but the top two, Chiefs Bills happening on Sunday night and Seahawks Rams happening on Thursday night, as you all probably just saw it. Listen to this on Friday. So great points all around, Andrew. We will kick things off with the question of playing Jalen Hurts and cash. And for those unaware of cash games, we're talking head to heads, 50 50s, just games where you're trying to more or less beat one person or finish, you know, just above half the field, not trying to get too crazy, not worried about ownership percentages, things like that so Andrew I see the alert with Jalen Hurts you know he's still at 7,000 I don't think egregiously uh overpriced I guess my question is man this offensive line hopefully they get Lane Johnson back this week but we're still down three starters is looking like either way we're facing the Panthers defense that you know even putting aside the Stefan Gilmore hoopla for a sec I know they lost that game the Cowboys but I think they did prove that this is still at a minimum an average to above average group particularly with Brian Burns wreaking havoc on the inside so what makes you want to go to the well this week with Hurts despite the potential for things to get you know messy at that line of scrimmage that we have yet to see in Jalen Hurts NFL career him not finish as a top 12 quarterback when he's not played an entire like he's when he's played an entire game he's always been a top 12 guy qb4 qb10 qb10 qb12 qb1 qb11 in his seven full starts as a starting quarterback for the philadelphia eagles he even finished qb20 when he played only like half a game and he got taken out and, and we the nate sudfeld game we always <laughs> gotta talk Sudfield, about it the nate sudfeld game he was still qb20 so he didn't even kill you if you played him so 
again, I just, I want the consistency. I want that safe floor. And he has a high ceiling too that we've seen before because of the rushing. And he's been getting it done with a lot of his receivers. Devontae Smith, seventh in the NFL in air yards, 21% target share. So you know how to stack him up with one of his pass catchers in a GPP. So I really like him in both formats. But, you know, I started out hot this year with two weeks of Jalen Hurts and cash, and then I went away from him, and I'm 0-2 since then. So I'm going right back to the well. If it, if it wasn't broke, I shouldn't have tried to fix it, and or else I'm going to get hurt. So I'm going back to Hurts. Now we also have the cheapest option of the week is the latest quarter, rookie quarterback to land the starting job. Trey Lance, we'll see how the Jimmy G calf thing goes on, but tentatively expecting Trey Lance to be under center. He's on the road in Arizona. We know Chandler Jones and J.J. Watt and company are capable of, again, wreaking some havoc on that uh, defensive line. Now, Andrew, is this a trap or is this a situation where we can look at Trey Lance scoring, you know, 18.2 or 20.2 fantasy points and a half and just say, hey, whenever a quarterback is going to run the ball 10 plus times, we should roster him in fantasy land. Yeah, I think that people are hesitant to go in on, on Trey Lance this week because of what happened with Justin Fields a couple weeks ago. And I get that because, again, that's kind of what I was thinking. I was like, oh, no, like, am I doing the exact same thing I did two weeks ago with Fields? But I think the situations are very different where you have – Kyle Shanahan building an offensive game plan around Trey Lance, which the Bears have not decided to do with Justin Fields. Like, Justin Fields isn't running. Like, that was why we liked him, because we thought he was going to run, and he didn't run. And that's why he sucked, along with a bunch of other factors. But the surrounding cast, the supporting cast for Trey Lance is just so much better than it is for Justin Fields. It's a better offensive line. He's better offensive skill players. And we've already seen him put up the fantasy numbers. Like, Justin Fields has started two games. And I'm pretty sure Trey Lance has more fantasy points combined in one half than Fields has in his two starts combined. So... We're already seeing the fantasy production. Yes, I get that the Debo Samuel, he was wide open. It was, obviously, it's very inflated, but the rushing yards and the second touchdown pass, you know, those were legit. You know, 41 rushing yards, another pa touchdown pass. So I like Trey Lance still to go here. You know, he's had a full install of the offense in this past week of the game plan, potentially around him. 50-point projected total. Again, this isn't a, the Bears offense where it's just killing. You know, the Bears offense just kills game environment. Like, it's not good for any of the fantasy pieces where I mean we're still starting Debo Samuel we're still starting George Kittle like we're not worried about the offensive skill people's offensive skill players so why wouldn't we have the same type of confidence going back to Trey Lance so I think at 5700 he makes a lot of sense he opens up a ton of things and I think the process was right about Justin Fields I just it just didn't work out so yeah. I don't think that we should over evaluate kind of look at what that field situation was like because I think that this is different and that's why I like going back to him with the 49ers and the Cardinals you look at their weaknesses it's really against the run. Like, they've been really bad against uh, running backs, just giving up a ton of rushing yards. They've been much better against the pass. So who, which quarterback would you rather have? You'd have rather have Trey Lance, a rushing quarterback. So he might actually do it a lot with his legs and not his arm. And that's actually why, you know, as I get into my prop picks for this week, uh, I'm taking some Trey Lance under in the passing yard department. And we just got an update that Jimmy Garoppolo is sitting once again on Thursday. So not expecting him to start come Sunday. I guess my only question here with our cash build, Andrew, is like, spoiler alert, we could have a ton of potential salary saving options with the Washington football team. We got that defense at 2200. We got Ricky Seals Jones with Logan Thomas out of the picture at the Stone Cold minimum 2500 at tight end. And we can even go back the well with Curtis Samuel. Hasn't been practicing this week, but we have heard Ron Rivera say they just want to manage him, and he had four targets and like 25 snaps last week. So if we want to do, you know, the holy trifecta of Washington Chief players uh, this week, 
I think we can get all the way up to Kyler Murray, man. I don't even know that we need to necessarily stack him with anyone. But Kyler is by far the number one quarterback on the slate in terms of projection. And he's the highest priced. But again, just based on some of these early builds, I haven't had that much of a problem getting up to Kyler and still getting Henry and still getting Devontae Adams thanks to all the salary that we're saving with those other guys. So I understand. I do think those are the three ones we should be focusing on. Hurts, Lance, and Kyler. They provide the most rushing upside of the slate. No offense, Danny Dimes. And uh, I think that we should love them accordingly in cash. Now, what about for GPP? Because we aren't forgetting about Danny Dimes. I know you want to talk a little. Daniel Jones, Dak Prescott, Tom Brady. But pick your favorite potential tournament build right now. Yeah, I, I like Tom Brady a lot. And I know I just saw him beat my Patriots in a uh, a very a nail-biter on a, a missed field goal. And Belichick, come on, man. Like, go for it, dude. Put the ball in Mac Jones' hands. Win the game. Because we're going to lose anyway if they gave the ball back to Brady. But I digress. Uh, I just like Tom Brady in this matchup. I think that the Miami... So something I kind of noticed about last week, if you look at the top six quarterbacks in terms of fantasy points scored, they only played in three games. So it was basically like, you know... If you finish as a top five quarterback, the guy on the other side also finished as a top five quarterback because that's just kind of how we saw the quarterback scoring kind of play out. So is this me touting Jacoby Brissett as a, oh my God, like this guy can finish as a top five quarterback? Well, <laughs> maybe he can. Like we look at this Bucks defense and it's the worst. Like they everyone just throws on them nonstop. We know Jacoby Brissett can run a little bit. So I just think that Jacoby Brissett from the Miami Dolphins side can keep things at least interesting for Tom Brady and company who basically throw no matter what. It doesn't matter. They don't really run the football. They are a very pass-heavy offense. And yeah. I think Brady, again, after two kind of lull games where he didn't do much, he only threw one touchdown pass his past two games where he threw nine to start the year. And the nine was a lot, so we knew it was going to come down. And one is just probably too little. Like, he's going to eventually kind of medium out of his touchdown passes, and he still has all the weapons. I'm not afraid of this Miami defense. I mean, he should have four. He should have 4.7 passing touchdowns over the past two weeks. He only has one, like I mentioned. So he's overdue for some positive regression in the touchdown department in Miami. You know, they do they do have good cornerbacks, but the thing with them is they've actually allowed the second most receptions of 20 plus air yards this year. And Brady leads the NFL and PFF passing grade on deep ball pass attempts. So I like Brady to just kind of have a bounce back game again. Getting this Patriots game out of the way, I think it was. It was an emotional toll on him for sure. And I think that's why we just didn't necessarily see him put up these monster gaudy numbers like he had done, you know, against the Falcons and Cowboys. I think it's really a get right spot at home against Miami. And it's just easy to figure out, okay, you stack him with Mike Evans and Antonio Brown. Like you don't need to worry about him rushing touchdowns necessarily. Like it's very easy to stack him. And I think that he's priced appropriately where he won't be super, super popular. So I like Tom Brady against the uh, Dolphins. I think there might be ways with him, too, to make it still fairly contrarian. You know, we'll always see the roster ship percentages kind of even out as the week goes on. But Antonio Brown, just 5,200, is a natural, easy stacking partner. You know, Rob Gronkowski, it's, if he didn't play Sunday night, I'd be shocked if they kind of rush him back this week. So Cameron Brate at 3,300 is viable. And yeah, just fading the idea that these cornerback matchups are going to cause any real problems. You can certainly get up to Mike Evans. I think Goblin is probably the one you definitely want to attach to him. He should be the most well set up in this spot from the friendly confines of the slot. But I like it, Andrew. And I have two picks that are going off to kind of the same general strategy of let's get off. 
one of the chalkiest running backs on the slate, which is Leonard Fournette with the passing game. So why not do the same thing with the other two chalkiest running backs on the slate, Derrick Henry and Dalvin Cook? Let's go get us some Ryan Tannehill and some Kirk Cousins, especially if A.J. Brown's back for Ryan Tannehill, who remains PFS third highest graded passer of the season. When you're throwing balls to Josh Reynolds and he's dropping touchdowns and deep balls, then you got Nick Westbrook. We still don't know his full last name and Chester Rogers and all these other guys, man. Life isn't that easy. But now we get to play the freaking Jaguars. And I understand Derrick Henry could just go off for 600 yards and the Titans throw the ball five times. But again, when we're trying to take down hundreds of thousands of contestants in this field, this is a chance to leverage all those people going in on Henry and maybe getting off. So maybe Henry just has a terrible game, like 120 yards and no touchdowns, just really lets people down. Tannehill, AJB, even Anthony Ferkser, guys like that could help us out. It might just be Tannehill and AJB, and you don't even need to get all that messy with the other guys. Hopefully, Brown's Wednesday return to practice is a sign that he will be active this week. And then with Kirk Cousins, like, it's the same thing where Dalvin Cook will be playing this week, seemingly, but he's also saying he's still playing through the pain. So last week we saw him basically pull himself out halfway through. Like, I understand going to the well with Dalvin, but if our roster ship percentages are right right now, showing that Dalvin is expected to have the second highest ownership of anyone other than Derrick Henry, like, yeah, let's go to Kirk Cousins, let's go to Jefferson, let's go to Thielen. Our wide receiver cornerback matchups page, which is you can find on pff.com, you know, it can get as complicated as you want, or you can literally just have the wide receiver, their primary matchup, and their grade. Two of the top three grades of the week, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. So don't be afraid to go to the skies when everyone is going to the ground in these contests. Let's stick with the running back uh, group, Andrew, because we've already kind of spelled it out a little bit. And Cash, you're paying up for Derrick Henry. He's getting these receptions. There's Maybe A.J. Brown would throw the ball to, and that's about it. We're also going down to Leonard Fournette at 5,200, even if Giovanni Bernard is back, man. Like, Gio's only out there in, like, pure no-huddle and two-minute situations. We're still looking at 15 to 20 touches for Lenny Fournette against a Dolphins defense that, you know, we took advantage of last week with Jonathan Taylor in the prop game. We also seen Damon Harris and the Bills guys have plenty of success against Miami. So I think we're all good on Henry and Fournette. Who are you trying to fill out the rest of your cash game lineup with, though, at the running back position in that flex spot? Yeah, for me, I'm kind of looking at some of the pass catching back. So it's kind of I'm looking at like DeAndre Swift and Damian Williams as, as potential guys to kind of fill in that third running back slot. I'm just looking for running back that I know is going to be wor working in the passing game. I think salaries loose enough this week where you can kind of get around and you can probably find the money to pay up for DeAndre Swift, which you're not even really paying up. You know, he's the RB3 this season so far, or he's in the top five, and, you know, Swift is 6,100. You know, Derrick Henry is plus eight, or is over 8,000. Eckler's up in the high tier 7K range, and, you know, I can get a guy with a great skill set for DraftKings PPR scoring. Like, guys, like DeAndre Swift catches so many freaking passes that he's, like, he's foolproof in this, in this format. So I love his usage that he got last week. I know Dwayne has highlighted it a lot in his utilization report, but I mean, the snap share went up, you know, his routes rate, routes run rate per drop back nearly doubled from week three up to 71%. Jamal Williams was not running nearly as many routes anymore. Swift played at 73% uh, snap share was a season high and the Vikings defense sucks. It's not good. You know, ranked, ranked 31st in rushing yards allowed before contact per attempt, which is huge for Swift because Ian, as you pointed out in your handy dandy chart, DeAndre Swift's not getting a lot of yards after contact. So, Minnesota Vikings are giving up the most before contact, so that's a plus for DeAndre Swift. Again, you're not playing him for the rushing necessarily, but you know it is another bonus to his profile that you know he's going to pick up some yards on the run. And 
he's he's still operating near the goal line. Like he's in working near getting goal line touches, getting goal line reception. So again, Jamal Williams, yes, is there always a chance he sneaks one in? Of course, but still, I think DeAndre Swift is still viewed as the starter. I mean, Swift is is third in expected fantasy points per game this season, and that's really more predictive than just looking back at last week. And be like, oh well, Jamal Williams started, and <laughs> like that's not enough for a reason to get off Swift. I played Swift last week, didn't work out. Uh, but yeah, things change very, very quickly. And I think he's in for a big game in, like you mentioned, like this is kind of like a, one of those ugly shootout games where it's like, they're just two bad defenses. So it's like, well, the offenses have to move the ball. Hopefully I know the Vikings dudded out last week. So hopefully they can push the envelope a little bit with the Detroit Lions, And that's why I like Swift. Yeah. I think you've sold me on like, we don't even need to really go all the way up to Najee or Zeke there. Just take the discount and go yeah. down to Swift. I mean, RB three and expected points is bonkers. Yeah, it's just he's just so. I mean, it's basically. I mean, he is what we used to like about Alvin Kamara. <laughs> basically, is what happens. Like now, Kamara has basically turned into like a mini Derrick Henry, where he just runs the ball in between the tackles all the time. It's like, yeah, like great. Kamara's like twenty carries every single week, but it's like, no, like we don't want that. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, Swift is yeah. just the usage is too good. I was going to say that the chart you mentioned for people, not sure what you're talking about. I basically just took missed tackles force per carry on the X-axis and then yards after contact per rush on the Y. Two stats that attempt to figure out, you know, running backs kind of true ability independent of their offensive line and the run game. Swift has been awful in the run game this year. Like pick a stat, any stat, he's been in the bottom five and he is on, you know, the bottom left of this, uh, you know, of the axis in the chart. So it hasn't been good for him on the ground, but it doesn't matter because we're playing on a full point per reception site and a matchup that features the Lions as a touchdown, you know, road underdog. Yeah, he's going to be fine getting those receptions. I do love making those charts though, Andrew, because like, I'm, it's simple. It's two variables that I put in Excel and I don't need to pretend like I'm doing all this craziness in R to make make a freaking chart you can do some awesome stuff with r you know i'm my, i had to use it a lot in college in my statistics class like there's some really cool stuff you can do behind the scenes but too often i see people going through all this trouble to set up r and to get your fancy little logos on there and then you're just comparing like yards per carry on one axis and you know yards after contact per carry on another like why are you going through all these hoops just try to make yourself look smarter with a chart that you can make in excel and probably half the time so that's just my uh you know rant and i'm sure a bunch of the uh, fellow fans work smarter not harder <laughs> I, you know i gotta keep i gotta keep some of our own honest sometimes andrews <laughs> I, I i get tired of uh some of the nerdness out there in our uh, industry just taking overboard sometimes so <laughs> please don't be too mad at me you know i'm just it's thursday we're having a good time here but yeah so i would say henry fournette and then i'm with you on deandre swift probably filling that out we just don't need to get all the way up to Najee. Hyde is practicing in full this week, so we're off James Robinson, at least, you know, being someone to build a cash game lineup around. And, yeah, I also see Damian Williams listed. I would like to wait and see there if he's going to be super chalky this week. Like, I think he's going to have the 80% snap roll. But, hey, Khalil Herbert's pretty good. You never know what could happen there. Let's talk a little GPP here, though. I have a couple guys that I'm really liking, all kind of in that 5.5 to 6K range. It seems like this week. People want to get all the way up to Derrick Henry. And then we got enough guys, you know, in that 6K range between Robinson and Swift and Zeke and Najee that I think going just a little bit beneath that could open up some value because everyone wants Fournette. Everyone's Damian Williams. Let's split up right down the middle and look at guys like Josh Jacobs, home favorite. 
in a spot where he's expected to now be the full-time featured back, which is great to see. Peyton Barber, I did not understand, I did not realize that he was hurt in the beginning of that game, but he is, and now he's out. So it's Drake and Jacobs again. We'll monitor Jalen Richard apparently, you know, return to practice and stuff and see if he ends up being active. I'm not. Cautiously hoping that when they made Kenyon Drake the one of the highest paid backups in the league, that meant that Richard's not going to be stealing those sort of snaps. Assuming that Jacobs and Drake are the top two guys, like, look what happened last week, man. 18 combined carries and targets in a game that the Raiders were trailing for like two touchdowns the entire time. So with Jacobs, to me, it's never been an issue about him, his like ability with the ball in his hands. We just wanted them to throw the ball to him more often, and they did that last game. So one week sample, but that's why we have a chance to get Jacobs as a home favorite, as a workhorse, at a fraction of the ownership that he would be at if he had actually had a great game on Monday night. So all in on Jacobs this week. And I also think going up a little bit more, if McCaffrey is out, to Chuba Hubbard at just 6K. Like, it's just everyone's new flavor of the week, Andrew. And we're all going down to Damian Williams, even though what we saw last week out of Chuba was pretty good. No, he didn't get the full-fledged McCaffrey or even like Mike Davis role. We had too much Rodney Smith in the passing game. But that was also a game that featured Carolina down two or three touchdowns in the third quarter. Like, Chuba is now at home against an Eagles team that I think the Panthers are a lot better than, to be quite frank. So... Chuba getting off the chalk here, James Robinson, I think makes sense. And hey, even if it's, you know, 15 to 20 touches instead of 25 to 30, that maybe we're hoping for. Again, that's why he's available at 6K, and that's why not everyone is on him as highly as we would think of. And my last point would be your guy, Andrew, at least your team's guy, Damian Harris at 5,500. I know we have four starting linemen, not practicing right now, not ideal. We'll see, though. As as we know, the Patriots injury report, you know, it, it's just a joke to try to figure that out before actives and inactives come out but like david harris last week sets season high marks and snaps and routes and he runs for negative four yards because they didn't even try to run against the buccaneers i saw a cool stat um in our handy dandy pff ultimate stuff uh earlier this week where we actually have for run defense every team's like the average like yard line basically pass the line of scrimmage where they're meeting an opponent's running back easily by far, the two best teams in the league at stopping opposing running backs like just before they can even get started, the Saints and the Buccaneers. And that's been like a multi-year thing. These two teams are awesome at stopping the run. Unfortunately, that's who Damon Harris has had to play over these past two weeks. So I know Brandon Bolden's been getting a few more targets, but hey, this is the week where we should see Damon Harris getting to work with the lead against a Houston Texans defense that I think has played a little better than expected so far, but certainly not a group I'm afraid of. Damon Harris this week, people. Stack them with the Patriots defense. You can stack all these guys with their defenses, which is another great part, you know, because that's just so correlated between a running back getting up on the scoreboard, continuing to get fed into the fourth quarter, and their defense making a lot happen. So I think Chuba and that Panthers defense, uh, Damian and the Patriots defense, and who was the other guy I talked about? Um, yeah, the other guy I was talking about, Josh Jacobs and the Raiders <laughs> defense, I think are yes, all great in GPP. Andrew? I like your picks as well. Saquon Barkley, Chase Edmonds, Kenneth Gamewell. Talk to me about why you like these guys in tournaments. Yeah, I just wanted to agree with you on the, the Damon Harris one. I was really surprised that he was coming up so low in the roster ship. I guess yep. I, I was like, dude, like Texans is this is the match we want. Like we know he's a good running back. Like he's graded so out so well for PFF, and it's just he just had the, the two worst matchups you could asked for the last two weeks so i love going back to damian harris in a positive game script which the patriots have not had in the last two weeks um so yeah so my running back so saquon barkley again he looks 
like he's back to full force. 87% snap share last two weeks, 25 and a half fantasy points per game, 21 touches per game. And the biggest thing I'm trying to do with my DraftKings lineups is I need my running backs to catch passes. Like I need those receptions. Like you just, you get such a bonus and boost from guys that are involved in the passing game that you don't necessarily need them to score a touchdown. It's like, oh, they have six catches. Boom. That's the same as like a touchdown would be. And the one thing that I've just always gravitated towards in DFS and in, in season long leagues is, you know, Dan Quinn, de- Dan Quinn defenses, right? Bleed receptions to running backs. It's been like this since like 2014. Like whether he was with Seattle, whether he's with Atlanta, doesn't matter. No matter what, they always give up receptions, receiving yards to running backs. And of course, Dallas Cowboys have allowed the most receptions to running backs this season. And that's not even factoring in how the Bengals don't rank first in that because they gave up like 14 receptions in one game to Najee Harris. And yet, Big D and Dallas Cowboys are still giving up more receptions to the running back position. We're seeing Saquon Barkley be heavily involved. He's running routes at one of the highest rates at the running back position per Daniel Jones dropback. So we're going to continue to see him be peppered with targets. So I, I just absolutely love Saquon Barkley. He looks back like he's a guy that can break a slate. Like we know yeah. that he has that ability. And I think he's still just underpriced in the 7K range. Like, you know, when we were doing season long rankings, like I had no problem ranking him ahead of Derrick Henry and ahead of like these top guys that that's why we and just it's just that the you know the slow start out of the gates is kind of just like made us slow to readjust our perception about Barkley it's like no like he is a top five running back like I moved him back in the top five for this week and it's like man like that feels good like he's yeah. back and I'm super excited and I just think you want to get on him now while he's still where people are still kind of reacting to like, oh is he like back all the way like oh the Giants offensive line kind of sucks like guys like the Giants offense is like not been bad <laughs> like it's been really good. good and you look at especially considering you know daniel jones only plays like he's only played really tough opponents and he's played really well in all of them except the falcons of course the one game i'm like in on daniel jones he like has like a mediocre performance and every other game he's been over 20 fantasy points so he's just been playing much better than i think a lot of people anticipated and, and barkley's obviously seeing some of that um as well for his performance so i do like saquon barkley my other guys that I mentioned, just trying to find them here. Oh, it was, a, it was a Chase Edmonds. Chase Edmonds, yes. So Arizona Cardinals running back. I mean, he just hasn't scored. Like, he has 395 scoreless offensive yards from scrimmage. So he's averaging almost 100 yards per game, receptions and rushes combined. He just hasn't scored a touchdown yet. Like, James Conner has, like, five touchdowns. Like, okay. But the touchdown variance is eventually going to work into this running back's favor into Chase Edmonds' favor sooner rather than later. Again, he's RB13 overall in PPR scoring. I love the dual threat receiving rushing. The 49ers have allowed the eighth most fantasy points to running backs this season. Look, we want parts of this Cardinals offense. And and realistically, you know, Edmonds' target share is so high. It's like almost as high as like Hopkins and A.J. Green. So it's like we're trying to figure out which of these receivers to pair with Kyler Murray. It's like, why don't you just pair him with the pass catching running back who has like four targets in every single game this year like he's his role has been so consistent and he's looked so explosive I mean, he had a, a really nice run basically from like the one yard line um in last week's game and it probably would have been a touchdown if he had not been at the one yard line so he's just running cold when it comes to touchdown so i think chase edmonds still under 6k is just he's on the best offense in the nfl and he's just got so much explosive upside and then kenneth gainwell is my last guy and, and really it's kind of just trying to chase what happened with Cordell Patterson last week? You know, Cordell Patterson was at 4,900 last week, and I kind of highlighted him in the draft sheet, uh, in the uh, DFS cheat sheet last week because, like, 
guys, like he's getting seven, he's at seven targets the last two weeks. Like his target rate per route run is like off the charts. And no, I did not expect him to score three touchdowns, but I was like, yeah, he, he's like a nice piece that can let you do a lot with your lineup. And I think Kenneth Gamble is kind of in that same fashion. I mean, his touches are basically equal with Miles Sanders. He's 11 targets over the last two weeks. So I, I really think that he could be someone that you can use and again, the receiving ability, like that's what we're looking for here. And he's shown that, you know, he has a really high target rate per route run too. It's 29%. So it's not as high as Patterson's, but it's the same kind of like archetype that Patterson has with the Falcons where Kenneth Gamble, no, he's not an every down player, but when he's on the field, he's getting featured touches. We've seen him take goal line touches. So again, with Miles Sanders, just his role not increasing at all. And it's basically decreasing in favor of Kenneth Gainwell, I think that he's kind of like a sneaky guy that you can get really cheap that has the upside that a Patterson has that he could find himself two touchdowns because he catches a long pass, takes a screen to the house because we know he has that ability. One thing we do need to talk about with the running backs here, Christian McCaffrey has come out and said that he feels great and he definitely has a chance to play. Sunday, McCaffrey is sitting at 8,700, 300 beneath Derrick Henry, still a little bit more expensive than Alvin Kamara, Dalvin Cook. Andrew, obviously, you know, we're not squeezing him in the cash game lineups. If he's healthy, there's just too much. Hey, is he going to be limited? What's going to go on? Risks like that. With that said, though, tournaments could be interesting. Again, it all depends on how kind of the projections are working out and things like that. But last year, like they said, they were going to ease him back in. They did to an extent. He played uh, low for him, 71% snaps. Also had 18 carries and 10 targets. Now, I know not every injury is created equal. That was him coming off the IR. It wasn't him, you know, suffering this injury two weeks ago. But, like, we've seen this team, and we've seen the Vikings do it before. Like, when your number one running back that you're paying 60-plus million is back and ready to go, they tend to feed him pretty quick. Going to McCaffrey, if he's just – people are fading him being back, man, tournaments, it might be one of the lowest ownership spots to get a chance at McCaffrey all season long. Yeah, I think it makes really sense to just, if the field is off McCaffrey, then you need to be all over him. Like, you got to think about, you know, less about trying to be right and think about, okay, if I'm right, you know, how much can I profit off this? So if you're right about McCaffrey and people are wrong about him and you're on CMC when he's back to his full workload at a low roster ship, which never, ever happens, then yeah, I think that makes tons of sense. So yeah, I'll definitely be playing a lot of McCaffrey if he is active uh, for week five. And also, people, you make sure you tune in to our show. Friday night, we re re gets released Friday night or Saturday morning, but we're always live Friday afternoons, I think 4 p.m. ET. So by night, I meant about three hours earlier than that, where we go over all the injuries and what it means because someone like Chase Edmonds, who did not practice with a shoulder injury, could be an issue. And we'll talk about James Conner, pivots, what to do in season long, and all that. So make sure you check that out. Myself, Andrew, and Mr. Dwayne McFarland every single week. Let's go wide receivers, Andrew. I think there's a lot of directions to go in cash. We mentioned Curtis Samuel before. Only 3K. Had the four targets and 25 snaps. Need to see how healthy he's going to be. But behind, you know, with Logan Thomas now out too, there's just only so many guys for Heineke to throw the ball to. Terry will get his, but Curtis at 3K is just such a steal. And then... LaVisca Chanel at 4.8K. I love that call. By yourself, more air yards without DJ Chark in the lineup. We already got uh, Bavel saying that, hey, he will be more involved in the offense, as he should be. Like, I'm already annoyed, Andrew, at the future victory laps are going to come out about, oh, I told you guys to draft LaVisca 
all all off season. Why didn't you listen to me? Because the guy needed three guys to get injured before he got this role <laughs> dropped into his lap. But whatever, running pure, <laughs> running pure. It's it's the way things are now. We will look at the new information and adjust accordingly. At four point eight K, man, I just think he is great, and he'll get you know six seven target floor. We might actually have a semblance of upside these days. Um, I am trying to get up to Devontae Adams at eight point two K. Again, I think if we can get Curtis, if we can get RSJ in that Washington defense, there's enough room. And to see like people trying to chase those Randall Cobb touchdowns, we've been making fun of one of my buddies all week in our home league who spent like $17 on Randall Cobb. And we're like, why, man? Like, why would you do that? Like, do you think Devontae Adams is going to have 60 scoreless yards every week? Like, what the hell, Mike? But anyway, uh, Devontae, I think he can get up to. I mean, at only 82K, I don't even think it's that bad. And his projection is just so much higher than any other receiver. Guy, I love being able to get that. Deontay Johnson, I think, makes sense in cash or GPPs at just 6,500. Like, I was just looking at the 6K mark and all the receivers above it, and I was like, who should have the most targets out of all these guys? Devontae Adams, Deontay Johnson, maybe DJ Moore, who I think is a fine candidate as well. But for me, if I can get Devontae and Deontay, that's great. I need You sold me on DeAndre Swift, which I appreciate because uh, I was having trouble getting Devontae and Deontay and then also getting up to Najee. So probably having two Steelers was a bad idea uh, to begin with. So uh, Devontae, Deontay, and getting down to Swift I think makes a lot of sense. And again, LaVisca at 4.8K. I did notice you had a Higgins on here. Are we talking Richard or a returning T? Oh, return, returning T. And his, okay, his, thank God, his, thank God. <laughs> no, no, yeah. So it's interesting because when I looked at, and this is something people that are listening, if you're a subscriber of PFF, your PFF Edge subscription, you can use our, our DFS optimizer. And the cool thing that it does, not even if you're like trying to enter 150 lineups or whatever, but it pulls in the projections and it gives you a value score. So you can actually sort by best values based on salary and based on the PFF projection. And, you know, I had LaVisca Chanel and T Higgins as my two cash plays initially. And then I checked the value plays and it was like, oh, the top two wide receivers are LaVisca Chanel and T Higgins. So I was like, all right, like I'm doing the right thing. I'm following the right steps. The process is sound. And with T Higgins, it's going back to his, the first two weeks of the season, 28% target share. Like he was the clear alpha in that offense. And it's funny because even in the second game, T. Hig or, uh, Jamar Chase caught a long touchdown. It was on the one play that T. Higgins was not on the field. I thought it was just really, really interesting. Then when T. Higgins came back in the game, he caught a touchdown. So I think Higgins, as the cheapest Bengals wide receiver, I think is egregious. And I think that's why he just pops in our projection model. And I think he's just a really, really great play, especially now that the Packers are not going to have Jair Alexander. Like, they're, they're not going to have their stud cornerback. So there's going to be no Jair Alexander Island in Green Bay. And I think Joe Burrow is going to be able to dice. I think Joe Burrow is actually kind of like a sneaky good tournament play as well because he's been just on fire these last two weeks. And that's been without T. Higgins. So I think we could see a ceiling game from Burrow, especially if Joe Mixon is banged up. And I think that benefits T. Higgins, who is just the easiest guy to put into lineups. The only thing with T and all these Bengals receivers, and that's been our only kind of hesitation with them throughout this year, will the Bengals finally start passing? It would make sense if this week, without Joe Mixon, against a Packers defense that is banged up in the secondary and in the second highest game total on the entire main slate, that Burrow and company start to sling the rock a little bit more. So like that call and yeah going right to tournament plays i do think jamar chase makes a lot of sense at 5.8k for all the reasons you just listed out like god forbid man if we could get joe burrow 40 pass attempts in a game instead of like over the past two weeks combined uh you know the ceiling is the roof for all these guys so chase 
Higgins, Boyd, they all make sense. I mean, honestly, maybe the move is just to stack Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams and then just run it back with any one of these wide receivers on the Bengals' side of the ball. So there's going to be a lot of points in that Green Bay-Cincy game. You know, one of these ones where I already went and checked the weather in Cincy on Sunday. We're looking clear. No yes. wind, no rain. Things are fine. I'm not boots falling the, the drop Boots on the ground. There. Boots, boots on, on the ground. ground. <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah. Going outside, put my finger up in the in the air, making sure uh, we're good there. Things seem fine. So, yeah, Jair Alexander has not been practicing and is not expected to play. Even Kevin King is limited with a concussion. And, like, if Kevin King comes back, that's probably a positive for everyone. So, yes, looking good for all these Bengals receivers. I agree with you. Henry Ruggs, 5.6K. He is getting one to three deep shots down the field per week. And if he hits one, it's probably going to be enough to really meet his value and potentially swing your way into the top tier of a tournament. So with you on Henry Ruggs, just a little too cheap there. I will say, if we want to get gross, if you want to avoid the potentially more chalky Curtis Samuel, there is one other 3K receiver that is a full-time player now that nobody seems to care about. And his name, Andrew, is Tavon Austin going up against a horrendous Titans secondary. I know this is not for the faint of heart here. Like if you just want to ignore this, I wouldn't blame you. But he came in, played over 70% of the snaps last week after DJ Chark suffered that fractured ankle. Now he's had an entire week with the first team offense. A lot of people could be on LaVisca Chenault, maybe going up to Marvin. Hey, man, weirder things have happened. I know Tavon is more seen as more of a gadget guy, but it's Urban Meyer. Who the hell knows how he views uh, Tavon Austin at this point? So if you just want a cheap, guy that's at least going to be on the field a lot i do think Tavon austin can supply that for you if you got you know the stomach for these kind of things but andrew what's it all come down to comes down to when you can roster a guy that just saw eight targets that's from your hometown that you've been trying to talk up for the last six months go off it's deontay harris week tell me why Deontay Harris, again, if you guys have been listening to the podcast for a while, Deontay Harris was one of my favorite sleepers entering the 2021 season. And Marquez Callaway, you know, stole the headlines in the preseason. But so far during the regular season, when everything actually counts, Deontay Harris has actually been the most productive wide receiver for the New Orleans Saints. I know that this passing game has been mediocre at best. It's not been great. Uh, but Harris has been the guy. He's commanded the highest share of targets, air yards, in the Saints offense, and he had a 30% target share last year or last week. His 42% target rate per route run was second among all players, and the matchup is there. The Washington football team has just been atrocious against opposing wide receivers. Third most fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. Again, the target share numbers are obviously inflated because they just don't throw a lot. They have not been throwing a lot, but he's their short, speedy guy. Like he, James Winston has hit him deep surprisingly already. And it's funny because when you look at the PFF wide receiver cornerback matchup chart, you have like Adams, Jefferson, Thielen, and then number five is Deontay Harris coming I, in. So I, I, was, I was laughing at that this week when I saw it. I know exactly so, what you're talking about. So it's funny because it's like no one's like talking about Deontay Harris. I, I, I understand that. But I mean, everything is there. You know, the peripherals are there, the target share, air yards, like all the things that we talk about of, oh, hey, this is why you should start X player in DFS. You know, they all line up for Deontay Harris. Again, so again, you're really just the uphill battle is could it be Marquez Callaway week? Okay, yeah, that's in play. But it's so far everything has been showing us that it should be Deontay Harris, and he's cheap, and he's one of these five percent or lower rostered guys that I think can really different make a difference in one of your GPP lineups. So I like Deontay Harris. The matchups there, the targets are air yards are there. So yeah, I like Deontay Harris, and he's my guy. So I gotta I have to obviously <laughs> talk about him. 
Hey, no, I mean, it's adding up this week. If there is a week to play Deontay Harris, it is this one. Uh, final note here, you got Justin Jefferson listed. Absolutely. Uh, you know, again, this Vikings offense going just away from the potential Dalvin Cook chalk, I think makes a lot of sense. Not a ton to go over here with tight end. I think we can go all the way down to Ricky Seals-Jones and Cashman. Like, again, he is a – this is not – we almost kind of fell into like Will Disley. I know he's had these better weeks, but he's not exactly this, you know, athletic specimen. You can have the Jack Doyle type traps, you know. Ricky Seals Jones is a legit like high end tight end. Like I'm old enough to remember a couple years ago, people like listing his over three yards per route run, uh, you know, metric from a lightly used season, and just wondered like, hey, what could this guy be with a complete role? After Logan Thomas hurt his hamstring last week, he's now an IR. Ricky Seals-Jones did not leave the field. Washington takes these, you know, they got our former collegiate quarterback in Logan Thomas. They got a perceived, you know, wide, almost like a wide receiver turned tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones. And they show no freaking problem giving these guys true 100% snap rolls. And then they have a former collegiate wide receiver in Antonio Gibson, and they're like, no, over 60% snaps in this economy? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. So that's uh, just something that kind of pisses me off about the situation. But hey, at least we now got RSJ at only 2,500. I guess we could try to get up to Waller, Andrew. There's also Tyler Conklin sitting there, I believe 3,300, as you mentioned. Are you cool with RSJ and Cash, or do you feel like it's a trap? Well, I thought, you know, I was going to come on here and just bring the flames on RSJ, but I was afraid you were going to try to cool me off. So I'm glad that you're like on them. Like, no, we're okay, good. We're good. all right, sweet. So yeah, go back to RSJ. I was afraid that I was going too deep. I know that I always talk about the sub three, three K tight ends on this podcast. So I was afraid you were going to try to hold me back, but <laughs> no, Ricky Sills Jones, you know, his routes rate per dropback went from 3% to 81% in week four. So that's all I'm looking for. If you look at the tight ends, the last couple of weeks that have broken out, CJ Uzoma, Dawson Knox, like they were all in that 77%, 70 to 80%, you know, routes run per dropback rate. And that's exactly what we saw from Ricky Seals-Jones. So it worked. The process was sound, but those guys, it worked out. They finished as the tight end one and tight end two, respectively. You know, people were like, Uzoma, like, how did he do this? I was like, guys, like he's running routes every time Joe Burrow drops back. So like, that's what leads to production, and that's going to lead to production for Ricky Seals-Jones. So, yes, I feel confident going down to him. The only reason I really mentioned Waller is just because I think that he has a ceiling at tight end that probably no one else on this slate can probably offer it just because he's the alpha wide receiver on his offense. He's a 23% target share, which is the highest among all tight ends, even higher than Travis Kelsey because Kelsey's kind of been down the last two weeks. So I think that because there are so many pay down options like i mentioned like conklin is a guy you can pay down for you know the, the patriots tight ends are available in a good matchup against houston i think it's going to be more of a contrarian build to actually pay up for darren waller kittle hawkinson so that's kind of how i would approach it um but from a cash perspective yeah just punt rsj baby <laughs> RSJ. No, I mean, last week, I agree with you on Disley after I found out that Gerald Everett was on the COVID list. So it just kind of depends how things fall on the surface. If it was RSJ and Logan Thomas was healthy, yeah, it'd be a little bit more of a problem. In tournaments, uh, another injury to monitor. Everyone's favorite backup tight ends, whose last name we can't pronounce, Albert O. He is out with, he has been out of practice with a hamstring injury. So Noah Fant. All wheels up against the Steelers if that ends up happening. Teddy Bridgewater is coming back as a limited uh, participant on Thursday. So as much as I love my guy, Drew Locke's entertaining style of play, I do understand he is not exactly the guy we want under center in fantasy land. Talk to me, Andrew, though, about the guy that you have dubbed just sicko mode. I'm not sure if you invented that. If you did, uh, hat tip to you, my friend. Mike Gusecki, dude. I think, I mean, I like him a lot this week. Again, he's under 
4.5K. So he's in that middle tier of tight end. So not a player that a lot of people are going to gravitate towards because most people would either just pay up for Kelsey or just pay down to the cheapest option, which in this case is RSJ. Um, I already talked about liking the Tom Brady side of the offense on the Bucks. So I think that if you're looking for bring back options, there are a lot of great ones on Miami. So you have, if you don't want to play Cameron Brate, you can play Mike Gusecki instead. You know, he has 18 targets over the past two weeks, 13 fantasy points per game with Jacoby Brissett under center. Tampa Bay has allowed the third most fantasy points to tight ends this season. So I think that Gusecki, along with DeMonte Parker, is the other guy I like um, as a primary bring back option in these Buck stacks. Because that's that's my favorite stack. So I, I like Tom Brady and his receivers. So I want to bring it back, wrap it around with one of these Dolphins players. And Gusecki, you know, with Jacoby Brissett, has been a legitimate tight end one. So, And we know that he's really used more as a wide receiver. So he has one of the higher ceilings at the tight end position because you know he's not just running like five yards downfield and turning around. Like he's actually running downfield routes and if the Dolphins are going to throw in this game which they probably will because no team can run and they have Malcolm Brown as their starting running back so they're gonna have to throw a ton and I think Gusecki could have a lot of fantasy points in this matchup so yeah Gusecko mode yeah so I guess my only quote-unquote it's not a beef with Gusecki it's why is this guy still even being called tight end it's not more <laughs> as a wide receiver Andrew he is a wide receiver he's played nine snaps as an inline tight end this year Taysom Hill, who we mocked the tight end usage for him, has played 24. So if you think Taysom Hill being called a tight end is ridiculous, which it is, you should be three times as upset that Mike Jusicki is getting that treatment. But that's just, uh, you know, some uh, sour milk that I'd like to enjoy continuing to bring up. Quickly here on the defenses, Washington football team, the easiest salary saver at 2,200. And then from there, man, again, people these gpp running back stacks just go so well with their defenses we can do damian harris and the patriots chuba hubbard and the panthers and josh jacobs and the raiders i think the raiders won against justin fields where let's face it you know a lot of running around potential to have some turnovers not exactly at home facing the lions again could go south in a hurry let's close things off before we get to your props with our favorite stack I will start quickly, mentioned this before in the GPP uh, quarterback part, but I love the thought going away from Dalvin, give me Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Like, if, if the Lions can just keep this a little bit competitive, which is possible, then we can see Kirk Cousins pushing for 30, 40 pass attempts against a Lions defense. I don't think that's a shot in hell at stopping these receivers. And let's bring it all the way back with your guy, DeAndre Swift, who has 10-plus reception upside each and every week of the season. So, I love that stack Andrew what about this Buccaneers Dolphins game yeah so I'm gonna do Tom Brady with Antonio Brown and Mike Evans I'm actually gonna go against Chris Godwin because I think that he will be the most chalky of the Tampa Bay wide receivers so I'm gonna get a little get a little weird and go with Mike Evans I think Mike Evans can beat Xavier Howard because I think Mike Evans is hashtag good at football so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Mike Evans and I'm gonna throw Leonard Fournette in there you know I think that Fournette's evolved enough in the passing game where he's still gonna be able to benefit in the matchup and then I'll bring it back with the tight end I just talked about with Mike Gusecki um, for the Miami Dolphins again he's basically like a wide receiver and but you get to play him at the tight end slot so I think that's very advantageous for my roster yeah, that makes sense with sick. You could even get a little crazy and go with Waddle or Parker with Will Fuller out. It's tough, man, because as much as I do, Carlton Davis just got put on IR as well, but as much as I do see the Buccaneers, you know, worst defense in the league and fantasy points per game to wide receivers, I'm just worried they shut this entire Dolphins offense like the hell down because Dolphins haven't been able to protect Jacoby all season long. He's holding the ball too long. Like, it's a combination of 
kind of being Jacoby's fault. Also, <laughs> them having a bad uh, offensive line. Buccaneers are eighth, I believe, in total pressures generated this year. So just a little worried about how that goes. But I think with, again, we're focusing on Tim Bay side of things, running it back. We just wanted Jacecki or Jalen Waddle. We get one of those 13, 15 target games from those guys. We are feeling awfully good about it. Now, I said it at the start of the show, but Andrew, you said to me two weeks ago, hey, I want to talk some props in the podcast. I said, go off, King. You have returned a 5-1 record to the people through two weeks. What do you got on the agenda for this one? Yeah, feeling feeling good so far with these props. So I have two, and I'll, I'll throw in a bonus one. I didn't give it to you earlier, but it's one that I've been uh, – I like it. I like it a lot. So, okay, we'll go with so Trey Lance under passing yards. His his passing yards line currently is 225 passing yards. I'm going to take the under on that. Um, if you I talked about it when we talked about Trey Lance as a DFS play, the Arizona Cardinals. I know we talk about them like not having a great defense. No, they're good. Yeah. Great, yeah, but no, they are. They are a good defense. Like they've been a really good pass defense so far this year. They've been really great in coverage. Um, I know that their cornerbacks aren't necessarily household names, but they've been really good against um, the passing game. And it's really been the rushing that has given them the most trouble. So I like Lance to run the football a lot, but not necessarily throw for a ton of yards. Again, we just I just think that this offense is always going to skew run heavy anyway, especially now that they have a mobile quarterback on our center, which just kind of only makes sense. And Kyle Shanahan knows that the Cardinals defense is not good against run. So I don't think he's going to go out there and be like, all right, well, our rookie quarterback made his first start on the road. Let's throw the ball. Like that doesn't make any sense um, going against uh, the Cardinals defense that is ranks. Uh, what are their ranks? Yeah, they're they're up there in terms of the, the pass defense. And then for my over, I'm going to go with Damien Harris over 59 and a half rushing yards. I thought that was just really, really low um, based on the fact that they're playing the Texans defense. And yes, I did make this before I learned about a lot of the offensive line issues for the Patriots. So I, I don't love it as much, but it's still the line has not moved since I made my first bet on it earlier in the week. And there's no going back now. So <laughs> I'm going to take the over on the 59 and a half. Again, it's not that much. And anytime Damian Harris has had seen double digit carries so far this year and dating back to last year. He smashed over 60 rushing yards because he's really efficient on the ground. So Damian Harris is my over there. And then my Galaxy Brain one, um, I don't feel nearly as confident about as the other two, is LaVisca Chenault over two and a half rushing yards. So they oh. talked about Daryl Bevel's been talking about using him more, just having an expanded role. And I assume, okay, I'm tying the knots together. Like, all right, he has more rushing attempts. He has a rushing attempt in two of his four games this year. So it's a, it's a coin flip. But when he has rush, he has rush for over two and a half yards per carry. He's well above it. So LaVisca Chenault, he just needs one carry and he'll hit over two and a half yards. So that would be my galaxy brain prop bet. <laughs> LaVisca Chenault over two and a half rushing yards. So hopefully they just, you know, give him a pitch the first play of the game. Like, all right, good to go. I love betting the QB rushing yard props. And like, you'll see a guy just like third and 20 scramble for like eight yards. You're just going crazy and no one has any idea <laughs> what the hell you're talking about. Well, people, Big takeaway is the NFL Week 4 is in the books, which means PFF has data and grades for every single player who logged a snap last week. What can you get with the PFF subscription? Well, all of PFF's locked article content, PFF's NFL and college football betting dashboards, 
0 to 100 grades of every single player, including the top rookies on every team. A player prop tool, which shows plus minus value for every NFL prop and more. So check out the highest graded players from week four and look to find early value on spread picks and player props for week five. And also we have DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has a week five offer for every football fan to jump on. New customers can bet just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. Last time we had a 0-0 tie was in 1943. Seems like a safe bet. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Don't just $1 on any NFL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a point. That's promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania. Only new customers only. Men, $1. $1 wager required. Men, $5 deposit. I should say one per customer. Restrictions apply. See jockeys.com. Slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. also want to thank our sponsors over at Western Southern Financial Group. While you focus on your roster moves, Western Southern helps advance your money moves. Buying your first home, planning to start a family, wondering how to make your money grow. Western Southern's playbook of life insurance, investment, and retirement solutions helps you rest assured on game day. Team out to identify your needs and address your goals with a game plan built just for you get started at westernsouthern.com and also it's football season you know what that means it means we're going for two here with the sponsor of today's show manscape blitzing through hairs has never been easier and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust manscape by using code pff at manscape.com for 20 percent off plus free shipping it's three and out the window with all other trimmers now go tame that wildcat offense get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code pff at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use code pff Andrew, we have completed our fifth edition of the DFS show. I believe you said your DFS cheat sheet is live or it's out Friday. Let the people know what else you got at pff.com. Yes, DFS cheat sheet is live. Got the PFF stardom cinema. I hit on a couple of Thursday night players. So read that and you can, those are my, it's my version of my victory laps on, on Friday morning. So you can <laughs> check that out, but help you set your lineup for Sunday's matchups. Again, remember we have an early game, 930 AM Eastern time, Falcons and Jets. And yeah, I mean, tons of stuff. A new article came out this week just kind of talking about routes run per dropback, looking more at players and seeing, you know, differences and not necessarily looking at, you know, how many routes did this X player run, but the percentage of routes run per dropback. And then basically looking at who had the biggest increases from week over week. So who actually saw bigger roles, you know, were the targets that they saw, the more targets they saw, you know, a result of just variance or because they actually played more and they were running more routes. So kind of put some context behind, you know, I think an example is like Amon Ross St. Brown, like he saw his targets go up significantly. It's like, oh, was that just a fluke? Oh, well, no, he like doubled his routes run, routes run rate. So, okay, like that makes a little bit more sense. So yeah, Amon Ross St. Brown is kind of sneaky as that uh, lines bring back. I know, I know, Ian, you went chalk when you bring back Swift, but it was like, you know, hey, Amon Ross St. Brown could be that, could be the sneaky bring back piece for the, the Detroit Lions. Could be that guy, pal. It's just, a, you know, it's a shot in the dark with these guys. It could be him. It could be Quintez Cephas. It could be Khalif Raymond, who should have had three touchdowns last week. He had two as it was, and Goff missed him on another one. So that's fine. Throw a dart at it. You know, if you're a big tournament, you know, go get her making 100 lineups. Absolutely makes sense to me. You can check out my four weekly articles, quarterback predictions for the next week, running back breakdown of all 32 teams, every single wide receiver, cornerback, room, and matchup discussed, plus some tight end analysis. And then my baby, the mismatch manifesto, which is always free, includes this week, I believe, 46 notes, 46 of my favorite blurbs from around the week, and then also just a bunch of cool matchup analysis that might put, point you in the right direction when trying to do some of these some of this DFS goodness. So for Andrew, I'm Ian. Thank you as always for listening to PFF Fan. Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody.